ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Grace America listeners, welcome to my 337th ever show of All Around Sports and my first on the Variety Channel. And each Monday, we will be going forward at our new time of noon Eastern as we broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this weekend and what's ahead for the week. To join the show, the call-in number is one 888 Three four six nine one four four, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at iirsportsoneword.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Also, we'll be joined next segment by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. Well, my highlight of the week is yesterday's Patriots-Steelers Classic, which again, as always, came down to the end as the Steelers survived by beating their nemesis, uh, Tom Brady and the Patriots in general. Steelers have had their issues big time with the Patriots in recent years. And uh, but yesterday they showed up, and it was who really showed up was the Steelers' defense. This game was all about them, and it was the Steelers' D who basically won this game by, most importantly, taking away Gronk, who, as we all remembered, torched them last year down in Pittsburgh on basically the very same weekend. And so lots of questions up here in New England. Needless to say, starting with, uh, you know, is this the end of the Brady-Belichick era? And the Patriots now officially finish 3-5 and five on the road. There were a lot of things we saw yesterday that simply haven't happened in a while. Starting with 14 penalties, some at the worst possible time at the near the end of the game, and they hadn't had 14 penalties in a game, the Patriots, in uh, about four years. That leads right into my low light of the week, which is watching the two best quarterbacks of this era basically not being able to get it done suddenly for what really feels like the first time. We'll start with Tom Brady, who's suddenly become very un-Brady-like, starting with, most importantly, the throw on the next-to-last series of downs where he was falling backwards and just made a horrible, for anybody, but especially for him, decision by throwing a red zone pick that was intercepted by Joe Hayden, who made a fabulous catch down around the three-yard line, thereby denying the Patriots that, that opportunity to potentially take the lead or draw within one point. And then Brady was not two-minute Tom as he uh, got one last chance 
completed a long pass to Edelman, 31 yards, I believe, and suddenly they were back, knocking on the door of the red zone. And you just have to think, given the history of both Brady and his excellence against the Steelers, that uh, they were going to tie the game. They were down seven at the time, 17-10. And Brady just missed on all of his throws to the end zone. Two of them sailed high, very high, uncatchable. And then the last play of the game, uh, meaningful play, was... uh, trying to hit Edelman right at the goal line with four or five Steelers in the picture. Gronk was in the middle, and behind him was Cordell Patterson. So a lot of of traffic right smack in the middle of the end zone. Um, So, again, when Brady gets the ball with two minutes to go, down one score, uh, you expect them to score. He did not. So, again... Not used to seeing that. And, of course, this comes on the heels of last week in Miami where uh, for the first time in what seems like forever, the Brady miscalculated at the end of the first half the timeouts. Thought they had one. They didn't. He was sacked. They didn't get a score. We all know how that game ended with the now famous Miami Miracle. And then the other one, of course, is Aaron Rodgers. Uh There looked like a changing of the guard yesterday in Chicago as the Bears took care of the Packers. Uh, The Packers have been to the Bears, what the Patriots had been to the Steelers in recent years. Uh, But the Bears yesterday exercised those demons, won the division. The Packers are out of playoff contention. Second year in a row, first time under Aaron Rodgers. They missed two years in a row. And he certainly just, uh, in recent weeks, does not look like the Aaron Rodgers uh, that we've been used to watching for low these many years. Well, my bizarre story of the week is the Eagles beating the Rams last night in L.A. The Rams hadn't lost a game there all year. But more importantly, Carson Wentz was out, well-known before the game, and who comes into... Save the day yet again, but Nick Foles, the Eagles seemed energized, the defending Super Bowl champion Eagles, I should say, and uh, they just looked, for the first time all year, like the Super Bowl team that we witnessed last year, and they just seemed to literally carry themselves differently with Nick Foles back at the helm. This is in no way to denigrate Carson Wentz, who's just terrific. But they needed a spark in some way, shape, or form. It just hasn't happened all year for whatever reason. Uh, But last night it happened. That was a monumental victory for them. And uh, so we'll see how it all plays out. Uh, Other interesting games of note yesterday uh, were the Colts shutting out the Cowboys, who have been on fire recently, and the Colts are suddenly back in the playoff race, and the Cowboys uh, uh, have a couple contenders, most notably the Eagles, uh, hanging around suddenly in the NFC East. 49ers, huge upset over the Seahawks. No one saw that coming, and 49ers did this on the heels of beating the the Broncos last week. But anyway, it's really about the Seahawks who have just been on a serious roll. And they uh, 
You know, they could not win down in San Francisco. So now we're at the fun part, which, of course, is scoreboard watching. So from the Steelers' point of view, and I give a large part of their victory yesterday to my most desperate team theory, and the both teams had a lot on the line yesterday, but the Steelers simply had to win. There's no other way to say it. The Patriots still have some wiggle room. But looking ahead and how it all may play out, uh, this Saturday night, we have the Ravens Chargers. And the Ravens, of course, are nipping at the heels of the Steelers, just a half game behind. Steelers have that tie on the, res- on the record. And Chargers, especially after what we witnessed last Thursday night in Kansas City, are playing fabulously. And they're still in contention for not only the AFC West title, but the best record in the AFC, as in the number one seed over the Chiefs. Pretty amazing. So, if the Chargers beat the and this is important because the next day, the Steelers are playing the Saints in New Orleans. Uh, Despite how the Steelers pulled out yesterday, you have to think that's a Tall order down there in New Orleans. They're still fighting for the number one seed in the NFC with, of course, the Rams. And uh, and even the Bears are in that picture. So, uh, bottom line, Steeler fans are rooting for the Chargers, obviously, to beat the Ravens, which would allow the Steelers to lose on Sunday and still retain that half-game lead. Uh, Steelers close the season against the Bengals. Ravens close the season against uh, the Browns. So both winnable. So it's really going to come down to this weekend as far as the AFC Central title. And then as far as the Patriots are concerned, um, pretty interesting in that the Houston Texans are now the number two seed. Uh, one game ahead of the Patriots, but the Patriots, if it gets to a tiebreaker, hold it because they beat them in the opening game of the season at Gillette Stadium. I was there, and uh, about 20 minutes down the road from here, from where, I, from where I'm broadcasting, and uh, Patriots' schedule is very favorable. They're at home for the next two weeks against the Bills this Sunday, then the Jets on December 30th. Got to assume they're going to take care of business, uh, as they typically do, and uh, if not, then you know the Patriots' Uh, are in serious trouble, and maybe the era has indeed ended. But I expect they'll take care of business with some big victories at home uh, the last two weeks. And the Eagles winning last night, they're suddenly alive. They're only a half game out. Also, of the wild card, they're playing the Texans at home on Sunday afternoon at 1 o'clock. You have to think, after what we witnessed last night, that the Eagles have everything to play for, and now you flip in, uh, you, you have Nick Foles going, and suddenly it's uh, last year's script potentially repeating itself. Foles coming in uh, as the white knight to save the day. And so, bottom line, if the Eagles beat the Texans in Philadelphia this Sunday, and the Patriots win out the last two games, uh, world order will be restored and the Patriots will be back to the number two seed and a bye week. And everybody knows that's the formula 
for uh, getting to and potentially winning a Super Bowl. So long-winded way of saying the Patriots and the Steelers, I think, uh, still have a very, very solid path into the playoffs. Uh, need a little help for things to really work out for them. But, uh, but as always, it's going to be fascinating to watch. Another great Sunday in the NFL. And now let's take our break. And next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. So don't go anywhere. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Englehart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Are you or someone you know interested in attending college? With both college tuition and college enrollment up 60% since 2002, there is a lot of competition, and careful planning needs to be a part of the process. Tune in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and featuring a team of college coach experts. We'll bring you the tips, techniques, and know-how to navigate the road to college and do so the smart way. Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports, and I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well, joins us. And A.P., how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing great, John. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Well, thank you for joining us, as always, and uh, we're getting into the good stuff now with college football, and I know that you were in attendance at the Heisman Trophy 
presentation in New York City uh, a couple Saturday nights ago, and obviously you cover Alabama, so you were there specifically for Tua, and uh, interesting result as Kyler Murray won the Heisman, uh, which was fascinating. So what was it like to be in the room, as they say? Yeah, John, you know, we're located across the street. We interview him actually oh, okay. on, on Friday, and it was a special year for us because we were down at the New York Stock Exchange. That's where they wanted to hold the interviews, so that was interesting. They rang the bell at 4 Eastern time after we con- conducted the interviews. And then on wow. Saturday, we're at the Marriott Marquis, so we interview them about 6 o'clock Eastern time before they go on TV at 8 o'clock. They're escorted across the street to the PlayStation Arena. Uh, PlayStation Theater, I mean. So, yeah, we got a chance to visit with him quite a bit. And Tua, on the first day, Tua Tungabalo, the Alabama quarterback, he came in on a chair scooter type deal. And he wheeled in and sat down with us. And then the next night, he, 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 yeah, because of his injured uh, ankle, ankle had that operation. Right, Right. okay. Yeah, Yeah, the high sprain. High ankle sprain, so he had that operation. So the next night, he didn't have a boot on at all, and they had, Alabama had sent their trainer up along with him to New York, Jeff Allen. So, yeah, that was a surprise when he came up on Saturday night without the boot. I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, Tua was pretty much from the first couple of weeks of the season the Heisman favorite, and it pretty much stayed that way. Uh, pretty much to the end, and it just feels like that, you know, you never know when Heisman voters are going to vote, if they're going to vote early or late, and it feels like that it was championship day just a couple weeks ago where Tua didn't have his best game against Georgia, and of course, uh, Jalen Hurts came in and saved the day, and Kyler Murray just lit it up against Texas. Uh, to win the Big 12 championship uh, while also avenging their only loss of the season to Texas uh, back in October. So you have to assume, AP, see, you know, that that's what did it, that people did not vote early or not that many. And they voted, waited until after the championship games, uh, December 4th or 5th, I think it was. And then, uh, and because of what happened that day with Tua and Kyler Murray, they chose Murray over Tua. Is that how you see it? Yeah, they, John, when they had the announcement, they were handing out the tabulations to us from around the country. So we had the figures. I believe it was 13% voted early, and then they everyone else was voting during the game or after the Big 12 SEC championship and Big 10 uh, uh, championship games. So, but from my vantage point, I, I voted to a number one because of the season he had at the University of Alabama in reference to all the other quarterbacks I've seen since Joe Namath. That was the best I've ever seen. And right. then, uh, and because, you know, they beat 12 straight opponents by 22 points that hadn't been done since Yale University 1888. And yes, I did say 1888. That was a couple of centuries. Uh, go so that's why I had him number one, and then I voted uh, Kyler Murray number two for the for the performance he had with Oklahoma with that just that one loss against Texas, and then they ended up beating Texas in the Big 12 championship game. And then my third vote was for Gardner Minshew, who I thought was one of the great stories of 
college football season, the quarterback who was the fifth-year transfer, um, he originally started at East Carolina, originally from Mississippi. He was going to come to Alabama and sit on the bench. Yet, that is, I think it's 10-2 and two record, so I thought that was a, um, quite a story. And, you know, he could have voted for Ohio State's quarterback, Wayne Haskins. He put up supersonic numbers as well for the Buckeyes, but those are my three votes. And I believe, John, that people kind of overlook the fact that Kyler Murray, he threw for another 300 yards against Texas, and this time they won the game because the defense probably felt a little better. But I didn't feel it was a reason for me for him to leapfrog over to a tongue of Iowa. And that's that's how I made my decision. Yeah, and that's a very reasonable way to approach it. Uh, and Menchu, of course, is the quarterback out at Washington State, correct? Yes, correct. Washington yeah. State. With 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 the wash with the mustache and Mike Leach, <laughs> <laughs> right, he, right, start, he yeah. started a fashion trend. That should get you some Heisman votes too, right? Yes, yes. So, <laughs> I mean, that was pretty spectacular. You're going to be sitting on the bench at Alabama. I mean, literally, he, he wasn't going to play a lick. And next thing you know, you're at Washington State University and you're contending for the Pac-12 uh, title. They didn't win it. They, you know, lost to Washington at the end there, but. Uh, he had a, a very good season, and that's the reason. I think that's the reason that, that team had ten victories. Oh, I wholeheartedly agree with the vote. Uh, you know, plus he, not only that, but he's playing for Mike Leach, one of the most innovative minds in all of football, college and yeah. NFL. So uh, we all remember what he did at Texas Tech. So no, I, I think it's a great vote. I, I think I would have gone the same way. And uh, yeah, well, that's you know. It's, it's tricky. I mean, what Kyler Murray is, uh, you know, there's really just one word that comes to mind. For me, uh, it's electrifying. Uh, he's just, you know, he, and, he, and he's a great story. We all know that he signed with the Oakland A's. He always, he has, you know, you know he, uh, as they used to say back in the day, AP, a, a million-dollar bonus, baby. Uh, or multi-million-dollar bonus, baby. He has, he has more money He's already made more money than the coach. The A's are fully endorsing his playing football. And lo and behold, you, you know, he wins the Heisman. It's pretty crazy. But, again, just back to the word electrifying. And, you know, it helps set up just a, a fabulous storyline for the college football playoff semifinal, which is, of course, Alabama versus Oklahoma in the Orange Bowl, in, in, in Hard Rock Stadium, I should say, but effectively the Orange Bowl on Saturday night, December 29th, 8 p.m. I believe it's the late game. And uh, that is, so you, you've already just got a tremendous storyline based on the fact they finished 1-2 in the Heisman and Murray basically, it feels like, passed him on the very last day, like winning a race in the final five yards. <laughs> Right. Uh, yeah, absolutely. He he certainly did. That's the way it all played out, John. Yeah. So I I just think it just sh- shapes up as you know the potential game of the year. Oklahoma's basically, you know, got in at number four above all the other teams that felt they were deserving. Alabama just a, a solid lock at number one, obviously. So one plays four, and then Clemson Notre Dame will be the early game, five o'clock from the Cotton Bowl in Dallas, I believe. Uh, uh, again, same day, Saturday. Uh, uh, December 29th. So, you know, I just think that, uh, you know, Miami on a Saturday night of New Year's weekend 
You know, it's it's got everything. The, the glitz, the glamour, number one and number two in Heisman voting, to, you know, just electrifying teams, offenses, what have you. Uh, it's the game of the air, AP. It just is, no doubt. Oh, oh, yeah, and then, John, just to go back to that Saturday night, <clears throat> all year long Nick Saban was praising Jalen Hurts as the backup quarterback for Alabama. He stayed after he lost his starting position. He uh, dealt with the adversity and went out to have a lifetime moment leading Alabama to the victory in the SEC championship game against Georgia. But right. on Saturday night in New York City, the winner of the Heisman was one Kyler Murray who played – at Texas A&M as a freshman, transferred to Oklahoma, had to sit on the bench because Baker Mayfield received an additional year and won the Heisman Trophy, his back-to-back Heisman Trophies for the Oklahoma Sooners. But I just thought that was an ironic moment. <clears throat> Nick Saban praising Jalen Hurts uh, for staying and working through that adversity. And, but yet Alabama won a championship with Jacob Coker, transferring from Florida State. And then you saw Tua uh, did not win the Heisman and loses to a, a transfer. So there's good situations. You know, it's you have to make your own decision at what's best for you. One player transferred, won the Heisman Trophy, one player stayed, sat on the bench pretty much the entire season except for spot duty, and but has that lifetime moment. So I don't think there's a right answer one no. way or the other. And I think if, if you feel you must transfer, the situation's not good for you, then proceed, you know, make your decision and move on. Absolutely. You know, the days of, you know, sitting on the bench, you know, first of all, you always remember these kids are arriving as the best player in their state quite often. Uh, Fabulous careers their entire life. They show up and they don't get off the bench. And suddenly the landscape has changed and they can transfer and be a star somewhere else, which is what they've been used to all their life. So the land, dramatic impact on the landscape of college football and Jalen Hurts everything you said is right I mean you know he just really uh, has shown himself to be the uh, a high quality human being there's nothing else you can say but keep in mind correct me if I'm wrong he's graduating this December so some incentive to stay and theoretically he could transfer if he chose and still play one more year for another team is that correct Correct. That's correct. Okay. And I, I I suspect he will. I mean, I don't. Right. I don't think he wants to sit on the bench two years in a row. He he correct. he. Uh, you know, ingratiated himself forever with the Alabama fans as he walked across he, the stage. Exactly. On Saturday, or uh, they they gave him a standing ovation or a nice round of applause. So, I mean, he has no reason to look back. He he made his decision. It worked out in the end for him, and he still has some football to play for Alabama. So, But uh, if he, he goes on to another school and stars there, that'll be fine. Yeah, he played, it out, he played it beautifully. He did what some would perceive to be, quote, the right thing by sticking around. I'm sure Nick Saban was very happy about it. Hard to imagine he could ever have a better moment than yes. what he had. And I say that partly because, you know, he did it in the same stadium against the same team where, you know, uh, nine, 11 months before he had been replaced by Tua during the national championship game against Georgia in Atlanta. Uh, we all know the rest of the story. So it's so storybook, you can't make it up. So I can't imagine anyone would, you know, Alabama fan or otherwise would ever have 
an inkling of an ill thought if he moves on with his Alabama degree in hand sometime uh, after, you know, after this January or after he gets yeah. his degree here here in the next couple of weeks, I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. He received it, yeah, he received it Saturday. So he's uh, completed oh, that degree, and, and so wow. he's on his way. He, he can make his decision, and, and he doesn't have to look back or apologize for moving on. Exactly. Well, as always, AP, that's why we love having you on. You have right up-to-date news, so he has his degree in hand, so... Uh, there's a guy with his whole life in front of him who really, you know, made the correct decisions in sticking around and ultimately got his day in the sun. It works out just fabulously. So, AP, hard to believe we're at the end of our first segment together. So why don't we take a break now? And we still have a lot to get to on the other side. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you. It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemond Williams. Each week, join Lemond as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific for Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Voice America presents a new kind of health awareness talk show, the Sharon Kleiner Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. Show host Sharon Kleiner interviews leading scientists to discover how each of us can become proactive in protecting our personal health environment in an increasingly unhealthy world. Every show offers new information that could save your life. The Sharon Kleiner Hour is health from an environmental perspective, your ultimate source for a personal environmental lifestyle. Listen Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel and Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. 
And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. And A.P., we were talking in the previous segment, as we often do, about college football, Alabama in particular, the Heisman as well, which you were at in New York City for the Heisman. And I just had to ask you, like, here we are, a few weeks away, hard to believe, from the December 29th massive college football semifinal between Alabama and Oklahoma, Tua and Kyler Murray, number one and two in the Heisman. Murray won it. And AP, so what's unfolding down in Alabama? First of all, I'm going to ask, I assume the excitement is pretty much off the charts. I assume a lot of people from Alabama are planning to head to Miami. It's, it's drivable, correct? Yes, yes, it's a pretty good distance, but it's drivable. It sure is. About 10 hours for some people, yes. Okay, that's, that's drivable for, yeah, for, an, Alabama fan to, for yeah. an Alabama fan for a college football semifinal, right? Oh, yes, absolutely. A good day's drive. It's fine. So how's the energy down there? I mean, I, I know you're used to it. You've been there a lot lately, but nonetheless, this one has uh, a lot of sizzle to it, this game, uh, especially coming off the incredible win over Georgia in the SEC championship game. You're still the number one seed, basically number one all year long. So uh, are, are you sensing a lot of fans are probably going to head down to Miami, uh, that type of thing? I, I think so, and it's, it'd be good to play Oklahoma. They hadn't done that, John, since the 1962 season in the Orange Bowl. They played them in the Sugar Bowl, and matter of fact, I think Oklahoma – has a streak against Alabama three games, I believe. Uh, they played another time in 1970, Blue Bonnet Bowl. That was a tie with Greg Pruitt and Jack Mildred and Johnny Musso was on that team for Alabama. And then they played a couple times earlier in the 2000, 2001, around there, 2001, 2002, home-and-home uh, in home Oklahoma won both of those games. And then they played in the Sugar Bowl the year Alabama lost to uh in the SEC title game or something like that in Oklahoma. Alabama was ahead, and Oklahoma came from behind to beat Alabama. So I think they've got a three-game streak going, and I, and I believe they've only met uh, those five times, I think. So right, Alabama, well, won I... The first one with, Alabama won the first one with Joe Namath. He was a sophomore, and President Kennedy flipped the coin. I think it was from the stands. actually went over to the stands, and Leroy Jordan still has that coin, and that was the game that he had 31 tackles and a, a bowl record, I believe. That Coach Bryant they was asked about Leroy Jordan, the famous Dallas Cowboy linebacker in the Ring of Honor for the Cowboys, and he said, "If if they stay between the sidelines, old Leroy will get them." I love it. I love it. Um, wow, that's a great history uh, for just two college football goliaths. Uh, you know that. In and of itself, inherently builds in a lot of excitement for this game. But what I expect AP is quite simply uh, one of those rare games that I think everybody loves. I know I do, uh, which is, you know, played in fast motion. We'll call it. I think both defenses are too good, especially Alabama's. But, you know, I think it could be something like the college version of the fabulous Rams uh, Chiefs game that we saw a few weeks ago. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that both strong, teams scored over 50 points. Yes, yeah, strong I, possibility. Can, can yeah, Alabama's I, defense slow Oklahoma down a couple of series 
and then take the lead. And I told people that although the Sooners' defense is much maligned, they scored right. two touchdowns in the West Virginia game in that 59-56 victory. So they just hang around. And so you need to hold on to that football because if you have any turnovers and Oklahoma gets the ball and you had not figured out their offense, you're going to be in a track meet and you're going to be looking at the back end of their shorts. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Well said. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I could just see, you know, and Alabama has really a great defense, no question about it. But, you know, uh, with the electrifying offense of Oklahoma and, of course, the quarterback, Kyler Murray, Heisman Trophy winner, uh, I could see where, you know, they could get a few scores and then Alabama could just basically have no choice but to unleash their offense into fifth gear, which it's more than capable of doing. It would be a game unlike we've seen this year, even unlike their comeback against Georgia, I think, where I'm talking about something like right off the, you know, right from the get-go. Again, along the lines of the, uh, you know, Rams-Chiefs game uh, a few weeks back. I I could envision it. I I think America would love it, quite frankly. I know I would. Yeah. Uh, Because both teams are capable of, of showing up in a game like that. Oh, yeah, Alabama's offense averaged about 50 points a year record setting. And I don't know if there's a knockout blow, John. It's just the last man standing, I think, could could be in that game. Unless Alabama's defense uh, slows down and is much more effective than other teams have been so far. Correct. Yeah, last team with the ball. Could be one of those games. Um, I just think it's just going to be terrific. you know, so AP, what's Alabama's general like schedule? Like, I assume they're practicing, as we all know. Christmas is a week from tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, how does it all work out between here and the 29th for them, generally speaking? Yeah, they're going to be down in South Florida before Christmas, John. Actually. Oh, they are. Oh. Yeah, so they're going to be going down. I think it's on the 23rd or 24th. And then the, they'll have a press conference. I think the first one is the 26th. And uh, there's a little bit of access when they come into the airport, of course, not too much. But uh, I think the first press conference will be the 26th. So they'll be down there quite a few days, you know, half a dozen days getting wow. used to that, that weather and those fields. And so, yeah, that, see, the semifinal, John, is slightly different than the championship where you're just there for the weekend. Because that game Correct. is played on a Monday night where the college football semifinals played on a Saturday night. So they let you. You let you take advantage of that uh, week before. Correct, and you and I both covered uh, the college football playoff national championship games, and you've covered some semifinals as well. And yeah, for the for the CFP national championship game, you know, things really don't get underway till Friday, and then. Uh, but it's really more, so it's really a weekend deal, as you said, leading up to the Monday night. But so that's interesting. I wouldn't have known that they would be heading down there for Christmas. So Christmas in Miami, worst things in life. <laughs> and uh, so I'm guessing, I'm assuming Oklahoma's on a similar schedule. Uh, one would think they even have a little bit of a longer distance to to go down to Miami. So uh, that should be great. And. Uh, I'm sure you're planning on going, correct? Yes, I'll be there on Christmas Day, flying down, and uh, I look forward to that that time. And uh, the other thing I was going to tell you, John, that Alabama, you know, in the past, their quarterbacks that have 
giving them the most trouble are the, the versatile quarterback, dual threat. So Kyler Murray, 892 yards rushing. We know he can uh, make plays with his feet. So will Alabama be able to put a spy in him and be effective on every play? Because if you're not, he can make you pay. I mean, you just can't you know, be on him once in a while. It's got to be every play. You have to carry out your assignment. And, of course, he's a baseball player. He can throw from awkward positions. And he has effective receivers. Uh, Marquise Brown, uh, he was injured in the Texas game, so that's a question mark. But I, he'll probably be back. You know, two two one thousand yard receivers, one thousand yard runner, another nine hundred yard running back, and then Kyler Murray, as I said, at eight hundred ninety two yards. They have a good tight end. He likes to throw to him as well. Then there's a, I think, a slot back, like a hybrid type player that was a walk on from Kyler Murray's high school. He's another favorite target. So they're very much like Alabama and that you have to cover all these different players, and he's effective at getting the ball to everyone. Yes. Um, again, just dynamic. I mean, you know, interesting correlation with, of course, Patrick Mahomes, whose father was a baseball player, and uh, as was Mahomes as well. And uh, But, you know, he's doing... Uh, things we haven't seen before, like throwing no-look passes, just like an NBA point guard, or, Le- <laughs> yeah. or LeBron, who's a point guard, he's <laughs> every position. And, you know, yeah, we're yeah. just seeing, you know, that play he did the other day, uh, Mahomes, where he ran to the sideline, looked like he was just going to, like, run out of bounds or just throw it away, and suddenly he <laughs> just looked upfield and fired a dart. Uh, so anyway... Those two have similar arms, as we used to call it when we were growing up, and it's a compliment, rubber arm. Remember the pitcher has a rubber arm term growing up? And uh, that's the highest compliment you can pay, pay. And both Mahomes, who's lighting up the NFL this year, likely MVP, or Drew Brees, one of the two. But anyway, uh, Mahomes is the next big thing. He's already arrived, and now Kyler Murray is kind of following in his football, in his footsteps with that baseball arm. So fascinating player to say the least. And uh, that's just going to be a great game. I I just, uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm sure you are. I think it has the possibility to be, you know, an absolute instant classic. That's actually what I'm expecting. Yeah, John, I just got the word just moments ago, Oklahoma's going to arrive on the 23rd, Alabama on the 24th. Oh, there you go. All right. Well, they'll both be settled in. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they're coming in uh, to two different airports, and they'll be ready to go. Oklahoma's been there many times in their history, and Alabama, it's, you know, it's been, I, I can't recall, the, the last time that I remember them playing in the Orange Bowl, I believe there was a quarterback on the other team. His name was Tom Brady. Oh, yeah, I remember him. And he, and he, and he torched <laughs> him for 396 yards, a record, Orange Bowl record. I think he broke Broyles' record, who's the quarterback at Georgia Tech many years prior to that. Well, I always remember about Brady from his college career, you know, the, aside from, of course, the Drew Henson, Brian Greasy thing, competition, shall we say. But Brady's greatest game was, of course, his last game in the bowl game. Right. Right. That's how right. most people oh, remember yeah, him. Yeah, that's when that's when he started to get noticed, and uh, okay. I, I still remember that game to this day. Most people do because you knew the name Tom Brady, but you know he had never lit it up like he did in that his final game of his college career, which was the Orange Bowl. Right, right. 
<laughs> and John, I think, you know, Alabama played Notre Dame, of course, in that championship game in the Orange Bowl. Right. Trust him. All right, yeah, well, AP. Yeah, and I think that game, John, I'm not sure if that was the Orange Bowl, te- technically, you know. It might have been right. the championship game. I have to look that up. I, I I know what you're saying. It's, you know, and part of me saying the Orange Bowl is, you know, going old school here and referring to the actual name of the former stadium. Um, <laughs> right. So it gets confusing, but I, I know exactly what you mean by that. Yes. Um, college football playoff national championship is a separate game in and of itself, not to be confused with any of the actual bowl games. Uh, right. Well, AP, now that we've done a little uh, background there, uh, I think it's time to take our final break and uh, still have a few more things to get to, which we'll do on the other side. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Have you checked out Teen Wealth Radio? It's a show for teens, their parents, and educators. Hosted by Brandy England. Along with regular weekly contributors, Teen Wealth Radio will cover the topics that teens need to talk about. Plus, we discuss a book of the week and a movie of the week. And each show will offer a challenge to our teen listeners that they can share on our private Facebook group page. Be sure to tune in to Teen Wealth Radio. Live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Are you ready for a broad look at everything to do with the world of sports? If so, tune in to the Mike Abadir Show. It's a unique perspective to the connections between sports and business. Host Mike Abadir has negotiated numerous deals in the NFL. Along with co-host Gino Bacola, Mike will bring his expertise, discussion, and some terrific guests to the airwaves. Listen live for the Mike Abadir Show every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I'm your host, John Inglesby. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. And before we get started, my pick of the week for appointment viewing is this Saturday night's Ravens-Chargers game. 
Uh, love these NFL games on Saturdays at the end of December after college football season has ended. This game feels like a wild card weekend game, you know, which are, uh, as we all know, played on Saturday nights as well. And it's going to set the tone uh, for the AFC, for the games the next day, as well as the following weekend. Massive playoff implications for, of course, the Ravens and Chargers who are playing each other in Los Angeles, not to mention the Steelers, the Chiefs. And just about everybody else in playoff contention when you get into number one and number two seeds and just all of it. So massive game. It's going to be a fun Saturday night to watch a little NFL football. So AP, uh, yeah, the we were speaking earlier about Patrick Mahomes. Uh, NFL, the it's great scoreboard watching, especially uh, with what happened yesterday in Pittsburgh. Uh, another classic between those two teams. Yeah, it's amazing those they, those teams play, and every time it's you know nail biter down to the wire, and just it's always fun to watch. Yes, I'm not a betting man, but if I would have bet on one thing, I would have bet that the game would get down to the final minute, and it did. <laughs> Period. <laughs> there, there was never a bigger lock in the NFL all season long, in my mind. Uh, you know, easier to read than the Patriots and Steelers are going down to the last possession. <laughs> exactly how it played out. It was great stuff. And, uh, yeah, so uh, fun stuff in, uh, you know, the last couple of weeks here, the NFL season are a lot like college football uh, throughout a lot of the season, which is, of course, scoreboard watching. And, and uh, there's just nothing like it. But for the NFL, it, it really heats up here these final two weeks where you have, uh, you know, People rooting for teams that they never thought they'd root for. That, to me, is the fun part. Like, as a from a Patriots fan, from a Patriots point of view, and someone who's a longtime Patriots season ticket holder, I'll be rooting for the Philadelphia Eagles, who, of course, beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl last year, to beat the Texans on Sunday. Uh, like I've never rooted for the Eagles before in my life. Of course, I grew up in Western. I grew up in Western Pennsylvania, so closely watched the Steelers. So the game I just mentioned, Ravens Chargers, be rooting mightily for the Steelers or the Raven, the Chargers to beat the Ravens because the next day the Steelers play the Saints in New Orleans. And the Saints still playing for the number one seed. You have to assume, quite frankly, they're going to beat the Steelers. Uh, so the Steelers need the Ravens to lose the night before. Uh, not only, no disrespect to the Steelers, of course. They just had one of their biggest victories in years yesterday. But, you know, beating the Saints in the Dome is just next to impossible, as we all know. And then I'll be attending on Sunday, AP, the... Uh, Buffalo Bills Patriots game here in uh, Boston, New England, nearby Foxborough, 20 minutes away. And as a result of everything that happened yesterday, that's suddenly a massive game. I mean, you know, obviously the, the, the Patriots dynasty is in question, being questioned right now. Certainly here in Boston, let me tell you panic in the streets this morning and uh but you know from my from me you know you kind of look at the schedule and given the past history you think uh you know ending the season at home with the uh, the bills and the jets you know not a whole lot of reason to get excited but 
trust me, everybody's excited for the Bills game because there's a certain school of thought, AP, that the Bills are simply, you know, what would what would be better for them than to come into New England and, in effect, you know, end the dynasty, so to speak. If they come oh, in they and beat them, beat them, that's pretty much what would happen, in effect, or at least psychologically. Oh, yeah, nothing better for Buffalo to come in here and win that game all the times that the Patriots have crushed them. Exactly a, right. You know, you know, this is their chance, right? You have this one game, we could get some uh, redemption for our for our club, you know. So I'm sure they're all psyched to play the Patriots, no question. Yeah, well, I'm a silver lining kind of guy, AP. And, you know, the silver lining for me is suddenly a game that, you know, way back when you kind of looked at it and if the Patriots... Or the Patriots were used to seeing, you know, he kind of looked and said, oh, geez, you know, at, at best they'll just be playing for seeding, which they are. But, yeah. you, you know, kind of not games you'd normally get overly excited about, but now all of a sudden this is a, a huge, huge game. And for the first time in a while, you can't take anything for granted because the Patriots have lost two in a row in December for the first time in forever. And... Uh, now the Bills game is squarely a huge game, period. And unlike previous years, you just can't take it for granted because no. the Bills have a lot to play for, for which is the simple reason of potentially ruining the Patriots' season and even mm-hmm. perhaps their dynasty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. The Patriots haven't been in this position in a very, very long time, John. I'm sure all the records are coming out now. They're telling you when this has all happened, two losses in December and the offense was stifled yesterday, and you now it's getting into you know December weather. You don't know what's going to happen, right? The ball does funny things in those types right. of games, so uh, you can't count. I mean, your kicking game is not solid, right? You don't know what will happen with the kicking game when the weather changes. Yep. So yep. there's there's many factors that can change the outcome, and it's not a nice Sunday day in September, and everybody's healthy either. Exactly right. No doubt about it. And of course, you know, to me, the hallmark of the NFL, the very foundation upon which makes it so addicting is simply you're in, you're out. It'll happen again in the next two weeks. Uh, Teams that have absolutely nothing to play for and and are not viewed as quality teams, upset teams with everything to play for. And at least literally all of America just shaking their head. How can this happen? And it happens every single year and it will happen again in the next two weeks for sure. And uh, who knows? Could this be the year that it's like the the Bills doing that to the Patriots? I mean, again, it happens every year. We all love it, it. uh, except the fans of the teams that, (laughs) you know, get beat. But yeah. That, to me, is the very hallmark of the NFL, these next two weeks and how every year it plays out of teams with nothing to play for beat teams with everything to play for. So yeah. should be fascinating, AP, and hard to believe we're uh, at the end of our show here and uh, another great show. It's a great time of year to be doing it. It's great to be on the Variety Channel for Voice America Sports for our first show ever now completed and under our belt and we look forward to many many more and ap thanks as always for calling in with your perspective hey thank you so much john it's always my pleasure really appreciate being on your show we love having you and as always thank you all for listening to all around sports and we look forward to doing it all again next monday 
Christmas Eve at noon Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. And we'll talk sports again next week. 